As we dive into the message this week, we're going to be centering on Jesus' words in John chapter 8. He's talking with religious leaders about what it means that they have been set free through the words and actions of the Son of God. So listen to this passage from John chapter 8, and we'll break it down together. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you keep obeying my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone on earth. What do you mean set free? Jesus replied, I assure you that everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You heard in that passage about how uh, if, you are, if you are a sinner, you are a slave to sin. Jesus is painting this picture of the human condition where each of us is bound by our actions, especially by our actions that have um, evil intent or that are, that are examples of our brokenness. And I want to talk a little bit about human brokenness because we live at a time where it's easy to think that most of us are generally good people. But the reality is God tells us and reveals to us in his word that we are in deep need of his care and, and freedom for us. And I want to paint some examples of how we see that we are broken so that this isn't something that we just take on, on account of God's word, although that is certainly enough, but it's also something that we can see in the world around us. When Jesus says we are slaves to sin, he is saying that we are bound to a chaotic life. We are bound to our brokenness. And we can see the evidence of that by looking at the chaotic world we live in. If you look out at the world, you can see examples of political strife. You can see examples of a violent conflict. Even as we speak, there are countries all around the world on the brink of civil war or engaged in conflict within themselves. Even just over the last 24 months, we've seen how a, a country that we take for granted as organized and safe and, and maybe even overall Christian can, at the turn of, of particular dramatic events and tragedies, all of a sudden turn its back on itself. And all of a sudden there's conflict in places we never would have expected to see it. And all that chaos out in the world, uh, reinforced by the fact that we see natural disasters, sometimes brought on by uh, decades of human action and, and industry, also sometimes simply by the way that, that the world acts. These, these, these natural disasters result in tragedy and loss of life and breakdown of economies and societies. And the more that we read the news, the more we see those headlines, the more we look out at the world and recognize its chaos, the more we are clued into the fact that the chaos of the world is oftentimes a result of the chaos within us. You see, when we look at the world around us, it's a common touch point. It's a common starting point of realizing that each of us are in deep need. If the world is in need of amendment, of care, of us changing our actions so that it might survive better in the future, how much more so is it true that each of us has, has chaos to address within ourselves? We are, we are driven by desires that are guided by our selfishness. We want to have more things. We're driven by materialism. We want to build for ourselves a solid reputation and popularity. And, and all of these drives, these selfish drives within us, cause us to be living chaotic lives. We want to put other people uh, beneath ourselves. We want to make decisions that are going to end up with us on the top. And in the meantime, we see that toll being taken out on our own health, on our mental, on our mental health, on our emotional stance, on, on, the, on our bodies that break down when we push them too hard. And we can see that we are chaotic people. We have a brokenness within us. We are unable to make it on our own because left to our own devices, without the help of something outside of ourselves, something greater than ourselves, we are bound for destruction. We are bound for being worn down and fatigued and exhausted, eventually left just gasping for air on the mat. 
But there's good news for us who are bound to this chaos. This isn't something that we can escape simply through thought exercises or, or through changing a way of life. But it comes through a recognition that, that though we are bound to that chaos, there is someone who has set us free. This is where I want to return to Jesus' words. Remember, he said, if you are a sinner, you are a slave to sin. That is, you are bound to sin. You are tied up and stuck in it. But there is a master. There is a creator of the world, an almighty authority. God, the Father, the Father of Jesus Christ, who put this whole universe into action, sent his Son into the world as an authority figure, a representative of the Father to communicate the grace and mercy and peace that he that he can offer because he is a son. Remember, Jesus said a, a slave has no authority in the house, but a son is, a, is, a, is an heir forever. A son has authority from his father. And so the son of God, the, the human being, Jesus Christ, who also was one with God the Father, brings, to, to, brings into this world an authority to set people free. And he says that his promises are enough to set us free. We talked about how today is Reformation Sunday, an anniversary, a remembrance of the, of the Reformation that took place. And one of the major outcomes of that Reformation was the Bible being printed in the common language that people could read and understand the Word of God as it was communicated to them in worship services and also spend time in it on their own. And that's such a great picture of what Jesus himself did while he was on earth. The, the ways and words of God were, were hard to understand. God seemed distant from his people. They had to go through rituals and priests to communicate with, with their God because of their brokenness, because of the chaos that they were bound to in their sinfulness. And yet Jesus crossed the gap. He superseded that whole, that whole system of interaction between God and man, and he introduced himself in a personal way. He said, I, the Savior, the Messiah, want to know you for who you are. I, the Son of God, am going to have a relationship with you, a person-to-person interaction, a conversation point. And you know that my words are trustworthy and authoritative because I am the Son of God. And he proved that he was the Son of God by performing miracles, by bringing God's teaching in an, un- in an understandable way. And, and then, ultimately, in his death on the cross, because because. His message was not easy for the religious leaders at the time to swallow. It was not easy for a culture that had been chosen by God and selected by God to deliver a Messiah to the rest of the world. When that Messiah showed up, it was hard for them to realize that their role was shifting. And so they didn't want to hear the message of things being changed. They didn't want to hear the message that they had misinterpreted certain things. So they put Jesus to death. And yet God in his miraculous mercy and grace took Jesus' death on the cross as a payment for the sin and chaos that we are bound to. If we are slaves to sin because we have lived lives of chaos and sin and we are bound to that way of life, we need to be bought back to be given freedom. And the death of Jesus on the cross was the payment for ourselves, the payment for our our bodies and souls that we would be redeemed back unto God and freed to live without fear of endangerment because of our sinful lives. You see, the work of Jesus on earth was to communicate God's promises in an understandable way, to establish a relationship between God and man in a personal way, and also to pay the price for our sins that we would be redeemed to live a free life. This is the freedom that Jesus talks about in John chapter 8. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That's true of of 
of any household where the father has authority that's passed to the son. And so much more is it true for you and I who have bound ourselves to these lives of chaos and sin. And yet Jesus, the son of God, the creator of the universe, the almighty authority in this world, has delivered freedom to you and I through his words and actions and through his death and resurrection on the cross and from the empty tomb. You and I have been set free if we cling to God's promises. This isn't something we need to try and earn or prove our faith in by our actions. It's something that has been given to us proactively on God's part. See, when Jesus rose from the dead, he won for us eternal life. And when we believe in his promises, he has the authority to set us free. His words, right? Jesus' words as the authority of the Son of God are promises we can believe in as true. We can take them for granted. We can trust in these promises because they change our lives. And so if we have been set free, what does that mean for us living these chaotic lives in a chaotic world? Well, if we are no longer living in fear that our sinfulness is going to keep us away from God, he has crossed that gap and met us where we are, we are free to live lives no longer ruled by fear. We are free to live lives, no longer afraid of the constant endangerment of our actions. We know that we are still broken. We know that until we're resurrected uh, by, by Jesus Christ, when we are brought back to life, when his son returns to this earth to bring about the end of the world, to establish the eternal kingdom of God in its perfect state, we know we still will struggle with that sin. We will still struggle with that brokenness. But no longer does that brokenness threaten our relationship with God the Father. In his mercy, he reached down to us through Jesus. And so you and I, trusting in those promises, can live lives within ourselves, no longer afraid, but free. And so we go out into this chaotic world and we have been set free, not to live in that chaos anymore, but to love this chaotic world, to live in light of God's instructions. We spent five weeks going through this red letter challenge, being transformed from being being with Jesus, to forgiving like Jesus, to serving like Jesus, to giving like Jesus, and now going like Jesus into the world. And that transformation is the freedom that we have to live in this chaotic world. We can go to places where there is high conflict. We can go to the sites of natural disasters. We can enter into political strife, confident that we have the grace of God behind us. He puts us into these situations that we would deliver that same grace and mercy to our neighbors. We know the words of God. Jesus has met us where we are at. And he puts us in a position of opportunity to share that same love with the world around us. So as we remember that about 500 years ago in Germany, the church learned what it meant to have God's word in their own hands again. And we think about what it meant that God stepped into this world through his human son, Jesus Christ, and he won for us salvation. We can then enable, we are then enabled ourselves to extend that same word of God, that person of Jesus Christ, to people who don't know him yet through our words and through our actions. Yes, the world is chaotic. And yes, we continue to be broken. But we have been met where we are by Jesus and freed so that we can engage this world in a loving way. How will you live out that freedom this week ahead? How will you embrace the fact that you know the word of God through Jesus Christ, his son, and his authority has set you free and now you can enter into the world guided by love instead of fear, bound to God, your creator, instead of the chaos of this world. The opportunities are endless. I would encourage you this week to think about those people in your life that don't yet know Jesus, and how can you extend his love to them? Could I-